Hey, this is Mark Gibson, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, and my name is Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light into the darkness to prove this world is still pretty darn good. Help us spread the good by sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing this here little show. The more you do each and all of these good things, the more good you help us spread. And yes, it does help us when you rate and review us, especially it helps us to find new good people. We need more good people in this good cult of ours. Everyone, begin chanting now with me. One of us. One of us. Uh, For all of those out there of you who are already one of users, uh, who have helped us spread our good, we say, as always, a giant thank you. Today, we are exploring the good of faith, artistry, and creativity in the form of one of my favorite ways to do it, music. So let's start here. What is your favorite song? Who is your favorite artist? Have I have I asked you this question before? I don't even remember. Well, let me tell you mine. Maybe I've already said this. I don't know. Someone someone stop me. I've gone crazy. My favorite song of all time is Rainy Days and Mondays, and it is uh, performed by my favorite band of all time, The Carpenters. There is something so tragic and at the same time beautiful in the way that Karen Carpenter sings that song, or sang that song, I guess. It's haunting, and it makes me happy, and it makes me sad all at the same time. And that's what good music does, right? It makes us feel, it makes us think, makes us want to dance. I don't know if Rainy Days and Mondays is a song you want to dance to, but you get what I am saying. You get what I'm throwing down and picking it up. Previously, we've had some good time sharing music with my friends May Edwards and Drew Stevens. Go look up those shows to follow this one. It's in your episode guide wherever you're listening right now. But now we meet singer-songwriter Mark Gibson. He has ridden the wave of the pandemic just like the rest of us and used it as a fuel, if you will, a creative fuel for his newest album, Hymnals from the Plains. This is Mark's good story. Mark Gibson, we know each other through your aunt? Yes. Is that possible? <laughs> I, it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was on here a year ago with her group, um, Wall of Hope. And uh, That's awesome. Yeah, we did a whole show with them. Now, you're a musician. Are you a musician full-time? I am. Oh, that's really cool. And what, what instruments do you play besides vocals? 
So uh, really just guitar. I mean, I could fiddle around on a piano, but it's more like a writing tool, less performance. <laughs> I hire other people that to do that that are way more gifted than I. But uh, yeah, guitar, uh, lead and rhythm, and uh, that's just my main instrument that I write on and, and perform with. So here's a question for you. Where does a song start? Oh, man, it kind of depends. This album in particular, Hymnals from the Plains, was written a lot acapella, actually, initially, because I was doing a lot of touring, and and I was living in Cincinnati at the time and coming back to Tulsa a lot to play shows as well. And so I was in the car all the time and had to be productive. (laughs) And uh, so I did a ton of voice memos of me just coming up with melodies and lyrical ideas. And so this album was really freeing to you know, base it off the voice as opposed to, you know, the same old strummy patterns that you do on the guitar and stuff like that. So this one was kind of unique in that way, but usually it's the music first and something inspires me, something about the chord changes, the sonic properties of the keys or whatever is the bass, the kind of vibe of the, the kind of embryotic, you know, song. And, uh, then that inspires me to sing something on top of it, which is usually, uh, like vocal, jargon nonsense (laughs) and then from that melody and those syllables and syntax i start writing lyrics that kind of fit and and kind of complete the whole song now you have a classic sound that some would say bluesy some would say i i say this politely older (laughs) classic that's why i went with classic i don't want to be insulting because i'm old hey i'm 39 so in the industry, I'm archaic. Uh, so yeah, I'm cool with old. Um, it is, I, you know, you could say timeless, I guess. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of like inspiration from, uh, older blues and soul records and, and, you know, more classic rock and stuff like that. Um, with a little bit of modern twist with some of the production, but yeah, you're right. It is, it is old school intentionally. Um, I'm just really inspired by that music and it kind of fits my voice and style of writing. So and so on that note, where do your inspirations come from? Who are your musical inspirations? Uh, man, so many. I guess modern would be uh, Anderson East. He's out of Nashville. Um, you got Leon Bridges, Adele, um, uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. The, kind of those are the modern singers and uh, bands that I love. Old schools like Sam Cooke, um, Otis Redding just most of Motown and soul records, you know, James Brown, Marvin Gaye, Aretha, all those, all those, you know, wonderful, timeless singers and artists. So it's funny because listening to your music myself, I thought Otis Redding, Sam Cooke and Adele, like Adele came right to me immediately. So on that note, that's cool. (laughs) Do you feel your body matches your voice? My body matches my voice. Does your look match your voice? Because I've seen what you look like, and I would not expect this voice to come out of what you look like. Okay. Well, you answered it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but again, I say that I say that politely. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess it doesn't. <laughs> um, and that I haven't always had this voice. Um, it's over the years, it's changed. Um, when I was in my early twenties, just starting out professionally. It was a lot more like in the vein of uh, Coldplay U2 and just a lot cleaner sounding, um, maybe maybe even a little higher sounding in pitch, uh, not necessarily range, but just kind of the, the timbre of the voice too. 
Um, but yeah, as I got older, tons of bar singing, probably too much whiskey. It's just aged in a way that is lend itself more to soul and blues music. Because uh, I loved, I've always loved this music, but I just couldn't sing it honestly when I was younger. I just didn't have the right voice for it. Funny enough, so just it took twenty years of singing in bars to to have it. <laughs> It's time and experience, you know, with yeah. that too, speaking of which, specifically with a song, when you write a song, does the story come to you first? Is it a lyric that comes to you? Is it the, is it the music or does it change depending on what it is? It changes, you know, um, sometimes it will be a title and I don't know why that title comes to me. It's, it could be a phrase in a conversation that I'm having with a friend um, or it's something I just hear on a TV show or something, but I, I'll just take a twist on it, a take on it. And I think, wow, that just, it just, for some reason, it just creates a spark. And that's what I'm always looking for is that, that inspiration, that spark. And sometimes I'll just be like casually humming something and a melody comes out of nowhere where I'm just like, the other day I was, you know, getting into my car to go to a gig and I just started humming a song that came out of nowhere. And then I recorded on my, you know, on my phone and, uh, you know, I, I've been putting words to it after the fact, but initially it was it was just the melody. Um, it just, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that inspiration just comes in different forms. Each song has its root. Sometimes it's a it's a drum groove and like some like cool low piano chords, and that just loop that forever until I write you know lyrics and melody over it. Um, every every song you just attack it differently. Um, at least I do. <laughs> Don't you want to save me? Don't you want to save me? Maybe I am worthy Somebody else well, These crosses Crosses All over town Ain't got no healing or saving that I have found. I've been through hell in the valley, hell up above, and I'm still searching for salvation in the face of the end of my life. Don't you want to save me? Don't you want to save me? You have a song called Salvation. And the chorus you sing, Don't You Want to Save Me? Yeah. Who's the me in that song? The me is actually my mother. So that song, I lost her in 2010 to cancer. And so... I wrote that song for her, but as if she was singing it. Those are like her words. And the the song, I didn't actually know that initially. I just, you know, talking about how a song starts, for some reason I just was singing that phrase in the choruses, and I didn't have verses yet. And then I had, you know, and verses could sometimes be really difficult for me because that's where you have to like delve in. You know, I kind of like the theme and I'm like, cool, I'm done. <laughs> now you have to tell the story. And then, you know, you have to fit it within your lyric or your, um, your melodic phrasing you know because it's easy to write a bunch of poetry out that's real long form and get your thoughts out but 
to do it in like seven syllables <laughs> could be really difficult sometimes. Right, right. Um, but once I started writing the verses, uh, it became clear that it was about her and it was her story. And I was kind of being this um, vessel for her to to tell her story because I know at the end of the, her life, she struggled because she was only 55 and she just felt like she wanted to live so much more more life. And she was, felt like she was getting robbed and she didn't understand why it was her time. And this is her kind of um, just going through that that emotion through this song. I did not think that's what you would say. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, some of it's about her own spiritual struggles, you know, the, the, the lines about, you know, hell in the valley, hell, hell up above is kind of a reference to, to, you know, she's experienced a lot of church in her life and still struggled with faith and, and feeling like she was, um, given some sort of, I don't want to say reward, but just grace, you know, life was really hard on her still. And, and then, you know, obviously she's experienced hell as well with some of her life. So it's like, she's experienced it on both ends and was kind of questioning when am I going to have that moment of release and, and, and pure kind of happiness and content um, that never fully happened, I think in her life, sadly. Don't you want to save me? Don't you want to save me? Maybe I am worthy Somebody else Do you want to save me? Do you still have faith? Yeah, I have faith in humanity, even though it tests me a lot of times. I I try to have faith in myself, um, although I test myself a lot too. And I have faith in something beyond my body, beyond myself. Uh, I don't know what that is. You know, I, I grew up in the Mormon church till I was 14 and I left uh, when my mom left. Uh, she gave me that choice and I took it. <laughs> and, you know, I've tried to just maintain some sort of level of spirituality, whatever that means. You know, what, you know, you could talk about the universe or, or energy or whatever, or, you know, a um, kind of an agnostic God or whatever. But I, I just want to believe in something beyond the body because when I don't, I feel like it's depressing. It's a little too dark for me. And I, I want to just have faith in something bigger. I, and I, and I, selfishly hope there's something after this existence too. I don't know what that is. I don't, you know, get in deep with all the dogma and I don't read any scriptures or anything. I just spiritually and just again, selfishly, I just want to keep on going <laughs> somewhere else. I want my consciousness to, to carry on. I don't want to live this life and then just goes it goes dark. So I to me, faith is about having this this rock in your life that gets you through this life and hopefully carries you to the next. Oh, oh now the left and the right will not save us. We got to try. We can make up finding the middle ground soulness. All these words again Down. 
You have a song called Hymn for America. Yep. Where did that concept and where did that first spark from? Well, as you know, <laughs> the United States has been really torn as of, you know, the last decade, but, you know, always. But, you know, our generation has been has been experiencing it dramatically as of late. And um, I just couldn't, as a songwriter, not allow that to kind of seep into my writing. And I just felt the division was so strong that I needed to make a statement. But instead of picking a team of one or two, like having some cheesy kumbaya song, I wanted to kind of have something that, you know, had redemptive qualities and and had faith in humanity, but was kind of calling out some stuff and and calling out the left and the right for, uh, you know, getting almost so panned hard on the spectrum that there's a uh, division that is almost, you know, you can't bridge it. You can't, you know, if you get that far uh, from each other, it becomes really difficult to relate. And, and then you can't, you can't be a successful nation if half the nation feels left behind, like either way. Um, You need to have some sort of (laughs) common ground and so that the song inspired was inspired by that theme, and you know the, fir- the opening lines are the left and the right aren't going to save us. We were kind of looking to these political sides as our kind of salvation, to use another song title. Um, and it's there's just not they're not really serving the people. Even when your team wins, it's like everyone's still pretty disappointed because they're the people in power aren't actually reflecting what the people want. And I just think it's time to change. It really is. Like we need systemic change on so many levels, whether it's healthcare, education, our prison system, everything. <laughs> and um, this kind of like soundbite attack stuff we do online and politicians do it to each other. And they do these little emotional triggers on these like three or four hot topics that divide the American people. It's just, it's nonsense. And it's not doing us any good. And we're really kind of falling behind and falling apart. And I wanted to write a song that addressed that stuff, but had hope and had belief and that that we have the ability to change and treat each other with respect and kindness. And even though we are different, I think that makes us stronger if we embrace it. And uh, I just, yeah, I wanted something beautiful and inspiring, but but also honest and real. We talk about that a lot on this show which is you can be right or you can have a relationship and it's it's sometimes such a foreign concept to people because like i want to be right and i want to break you to see that you will be right on my terms (laughs) but that's what we're talking about is like so much of this is just about having a relationship you're not gonna win it's this this idea of win and lose Mm -hmm. um is is so fascinating to me because it's so 
all encompassing when you can think of like, well, we all can win, even if you don't get a hundred percent of what you wanted. <laughs> it's funny as a, as a, as a musician, you know, songwriter, you have to collaborate a lot unless, I mean, unless you, you know, want to play every single instrument yourself or just kind of be like a mu- musical dictator and just tell everyone what to play all the time. And, but then you're just getting a bunch of different versions of yourself on different instruments. And to, to really have a really successful record, I think you, a lot of times you, you collaborate, you collaborate, whether it's with writing or it's a production, instrumentation, whatever it is, you're collaborating and you have, there's give and take, there's compromises, even like this record, for instance, there was some times where other people were giving input and it was different than I would have done it. But then I had decided to like step back and say, you know what, I think that might be better. And, and even if it's a kind of a lateral move, it's still different than what I would do. And so it actually makes the record better because it's just more diverse sounding. And um, so it's, <laughs> I say that because it's like, if musicians could figure it out, maybe <laughs> politicians could figure it out. Like you could have an end result that's better than you thought. It's going to be different, but it could be better if you listen to other people but whenever you get so divided and so entrenched into your own ego, um, it becomes impossible to see that. And then we just kind of stalemate and nothing gets done. Yeah, that is the fascinating thing about being an artist, isn't it? Because there's sometimes I wonder, like, if we handed a politician their choice of a paintbrush or a piano or anything, could they just create something for the sake of creating it as opposed to a mantra? Mm-hmm you know, a a sales line that they're using to, again, win. Yeah. Well, like if everything you create, it has to be like in line with some sort of hard party, you know, line. It's, it becomes impossible to be objective and to truly do what's best in that moment on that topic for the, for the, you know, the country. Um, Like when artists could get in trouble too, when they're like, well, that's not my sound. That's not my brand. That's not, you know, it, it, I mean, you got to change. <laughs> like on this record, it, there's so many different sounds. There's so many. There's there's a few different genres, really. If you really break the songs down, and I could have been like, no, we can't put that on there. That doesn't fit with the soul sound. But but it does in a weird way it, because you 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 connect it. There's a bridge. There's whether it's a gospel choir or the organ or something kind of lends itself closely enough to the soul sound that they could work on the same album. And I think people could do that same thing. There's always these points of contact that could kind of bridge the gap between these different forces. We just don't want to see them because we get, again, so entrenched in our egos and our parties that we can't be defined by. um, It almost feels like if you do that compromise, if you work with the other side, you'll be perceived as weak or perceived as like um, a traitor to your party at this point. And so nobody wants to help the other side or be involved with the other side because they don't want that blithe on their record. Well, there's an evolution, you know, and it comes right back to your music and it comes right back to your sound like you were talking about. The 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 things that you sing about now, you weren't going to sing about 20 years ago, just like I'm a writer professionally. The things I write about now, I got 25 more years of experience than I had yeah. <laughs> previously. Uh-huh. Yep. But then you look back maybe like I do at some of the earlier stuff and cringe a little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> I don't even have to go back that far. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's – I've gotten actually better about that because I used to – as soon as a record was out, I just wanted to like destroy it, burn it, and move on because it's like so much work, so much effort. You listen back and it somehow – 
falls short of your expectations and you're just like, ah, next record, next record's going to be better. And I put it away and not even sometimes I'd even not play like large swaths of the record live because I was just, I wasn't happy with it. And it was, it's kind of sad when you think about that. So as of the last couple of years, I really embraced some of my older stuff with all of its imperfections and, and just be naive <laughs> as a, as a person, as a writer sometimes. Um, but I think there's some beauty there too, uh, in kind of embracing your whole artistic self. But to your point, that all to say, I still wouldn't moving forward, write that same stuff again. <laughs> so definitely grown, but, uh, but you could love it all the same. Now, are you on a label or do you independently produce? Um, independent. You know, my only <laughs> quasi form of a label, funny enough, is I've done four album albums now as a solo artist, and all of them have been partially funded by Kickstarter. So I almost have like these uh, shareholders <laughs> or something, right? You know, right. Uh, these investors and uh, every record have a bunch of amazing people that back it, and it helps me get the record started and then I kind of finish it financially myself, but it, it it's literally that kickstart to, cause the initial uh, cost of a record is so expensive cause you're getting all these mus- musicians together and there's all the studio hour time. And then it gets a little bit cheaper for a while. Cause it, then it becomes like your stuff, <laughs> you know, just, you know, tracking your guitars, your vocals, and there's just a lot less money going out. So that, that kickstart initially really helps in a timely manner, get all that stuff done with the, the, the whole group. And um, so, yeah, I always feel kind of like they're my label in a way, like all those people that back it and I want to make them happy and get the record to them on time. And <laughs> But other than that, yeah, it's all independent. I, uh, I've never been signed. Uh, I used to be in a band down in Austin, Texas in my 20s when I was living there uh, called Meridian West. And uh, we nearly kind of got signed a couple of times. We had some interest and just we imploded and it just never happened. Yeah. I mean, there's a million bands that have those stories, but, um, but yeah, just, I've never gotten the tip of the hat by the industry, but I just nevertheless have kept on going and putting records out and playing shows. Okay. That's, that's really interesting though, because I got to say that as a writer myself, I've, I've had my ups and downs and back in like tw- uh, 2009, I wanted to sell this series idea and I, I couldn't find any buyers, you know, obviously. And I, I work in the industry in LA and no one would give me the time of day. So I said, screw it. I'm going to just make it myself. And I made one of the early web series like on YouTube and oh, wow. we shot it like, <laughs> just like you talked about, we did a Kickstarter and we got, we raised about four grand and then we kicked in the other five we we did this thing for nine thousand dollars wow. and it looks like thirteen thousand dollars <laughs> hey <laughs> this is a passion project and i use yeah. that for a reason because is that how you feel about your work is it a passion yeah absolutely i mean it, and it, it would have to be because you know i graduated from college at 21 by the time I was 22, I was living in Austin, Texas and doing music full time. I'm 39 now and I've been you know, doing it that entire time. You know, When I left the band in Austin, I had to do some odd jobs in between. But for all intents and purposes, I've been doing music full time for nearly two decades. So to sustain myself through all that period, all the ups and downs of career and financial stuff, being an artist, you have to be passionate. You have to have a great love and passion for what you do because... If you're in it for superficial reasons, you're going to fall to the wayside well before you're 39 years old. 
you'll be one of those people. And I've seen so many artists who are super talented, but they're like 28, 29. They're freaking out that they're almost 30 and they give up and shift gears and get into tech or whatever because they're just, they're afraid that, that it's not going to happen for them and that they don't want the financial instability anymore. And us lifers are just like, well, <laughs> what else are we going to do? I mean, I got a song on the record called Till the Wheels Come Off and it's about that falling a passion to maybe till the wheels come off, but that's just who you are. And even if you kind of could see that around the corner, you just, you just go with it because what's the alternative just not to be true to yourself. That doesn't sound great either. So I'd rather just keep on driving. Through the night When you're young The impossible fuse you When you're old It only wants to abuse you I guess I'm never gonna stop Driving till the wheels come off There's a weird thing that happens here Specifically, I think, in our country Which is that If you're not um, number one At something By 19 or 20 you have no chance of ever being number one at anything. Is this weird thing we tell ourselves? Like it's strange, and it's it's almost maybe it's a celebrity. Um, and but I think it's that way in a lot of um, industries. No matter what you choose career wise, I just think there's an expectation. So, what was your expectation, and then what's your reality? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it's so unfair that we do that to ourselves. And, you know, within music, um, my expectation was, of course, very unhealthy like that. It was when I was in my 20s, I expected to have hit records and be famous and, you know, try to fill this hole inside myself, basically, that uh, was created in my childhood. (laughs) Not to get too psychoanalysis on you, but like it, it's true. And the, the more I healed myself, um, the less it became about being famous and the more it became about just creating good art. And then, so it started out wanting to be famous and now it's completely shifted to, I just want to put out great records and I hope people connect with them. That'd be a huge bonus. But even if they don't, I'm still going to do it because <laughs> I need to, and I want to. And I just think it's really, uh, an unhealthy behavior I mean, when you think about music specifically, it's like if you're not famous before you're really 25, but especially before you're 30, then you're never going to be and you should just quit. And if I said that to other people, it's like if someone was a lawyer, I'm like, are you the best lawyer in the country? No. Are you like one of the most famous? No. Are you the best in your state? No. Then you should probably quit. (laughs) I mean, it's such a terrible expectation to put on somebody. It's so much weight. And and you know, as an artist, you put that kind of stress and pressure on yourself, it's going to stunt you creatively. And it's just, it's, it's just not healthy on every level. And it's, it's such a, a weird aspiration because you don't have control of it. Like, I want to be famous. I mean, why? <laughs> and it's so subjective and abstract. I, it's such a, like a lotto ticket kind of thing that some people get and most people don't. And for that to be your dream is, it's kind of scary. Where can people find your album? Where can they buy it? Uh, it's available pretty much everywhere now. It's on iTunes. You could stream it on Apple Music and Spotify. 
It's on uh, YouTube, music, and Amazon, and you name it, it's there. (laughs) We close our shows with two questions. One question you might have already answered, but I'm going to ask it of you again anyway. Don't worry, you already know your answers, nothing to panic about. Who inspires you? Um, it's, as far as like, are we talking artists or personal people? Cause I know I said the artists earlier. You can say anything you want. This it's, up. this is your chance. Okay. You, this is your one and last chance. Get it right. Just totally kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, artistically I'm inspired by any singer that puts themselves out there and there's like as little filter between like their soul and their voice. You know, I'm thinking about people like Brandy Carlisle or um, Adele, um, Sam Cooke, people like that. And you just hear it in their voice and it just makes your hair stand up. Uh, Personally, I'm inspired by just great people that, and I define greatness by being good and, and decent. And even when it's hard doing the right thing, and I've had a handful of people like that in my life, one of them being my mom, uh, my partner, Susan, she's another, and plenty others, I'm fortunate. But being inspired by just good people that help hold you to a standard and and help you be your best in life. And that's inspiring because we're all on this journey independently, but together. And to have those those partners in your life that help you be the best version of yourself is amazing. And it's inspiring. And then the final question, which is how we end every of one of our shows, our regular shows, is really simple. It can be anything that we've already talked about, anything you want to say in the world. Tell me something good. When I lost all my gigs in 2020 when the pandemic hit, <laughs> it was really stressful, obviously. And I was actually in the midst of recording this album and I, I didn't know how I was going to finish it. Like how my well, I didn't know how I was going to finish the record or pay my bills. <laughs> so I was super stressed out. Well, when everything locked down, it was like that kind of middle of March in, in Oklahoma. And it was that, that first Saturday after everything locked down, I lost all my gigs for that year. I decided to do my first live stream ever. And I did a concert at home and I didn't know if anyone would watch. I didn't know if anyone would like go to my little virtual tip jars like PayPal and Venmo and send me a little little uh, tip. I didn't know if it'd be successful at all, but it was wildly successful. Uh, Like sometimes some of those videos were viewed by thousands of people and um, what they sent me through those virtual tip jars, I was so generous and sustained me through those really hard months. I ended up doing 35 concerts. So the good that I see is how supportive and beautiful people could be in those moments of, of trials and tribulations. And I'm just will forever be grateful for those people to allow me to still do music full time in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Thank you, Mark, for sharing your good. Go get you his brand new album, Hymnals from the Plains, wherever you music best. Next time on World Gone Good. I am a life coach, and I spend all of my time thinking about how the brain works, how to uncondition all the crap, get rid of limiting beliefs, and 
love the fuck out of your life. My good pal Christy Hines returns for her second show with me. And what will we be good talking about? Well, you guessed it right, New Year's resolutions, or she calls them New Year's revolutions, which I freaking love. How will you make 2022 the goodest year yet? Come join us. Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out together and let's make it happen. Until then, be good. <laughs>